0: Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Southside Church today. My name's Jeff Williams. I'm the lead pastor here, and I just want to say a very big Merry Christmas to you. And uh, I would love to see you if you live in our area. Come and be a part of what God is doing at at both of our locations, both at our Redstone campus and our Commerce campus. Christmas Eve is next week. It's going to be a great time to come to church, hear the Christmas story, be a part of a real traditional, fun service, and uh, just be able to to really get into the Christmas spirit. And then on New Year's Eve, we will end the year by looking ahead into the new year. So come and join us and uh, help us in 2023 strong so that we can start 2024 strong. The series today, we're calling it Grace in Motion. I love the slide. I love just the, the picture of what this communicates, the, the power of God's grace working in and through our life. I was reading a devotion not long ago. It's one that I read every day. And on this particular day, uh, this was the phrase that I read. It was a phrase. It's how God moves. It's grace. It's His grace in motion. Whether you realize this or not, God is at work around every person on the planet. I believe that. I believe I can prove that scripturally. I believe that because God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. He's at work around every person. He is at work around you at this very moment. Now, God doesn't want to just work around you. God wants to work in you, and that comes through grace. He wants to work in you so that he can work through you to continue to accomplish his plans and purposes for a very lost dark world that is in desperate need of him. And this is what I know about God's grace. God's grace is form-fitted for your moment of need. For every moment, God's grace is form-fitted for you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. (laughs) In the New Testament, when we read about the life of Jesus, and here at Christmas, the birth of Jesus. It's never, uh, the, the, the story of the birth of Jesus is not seen as some outlandish event, but as, as simply the fulfillment of a promise that God made long ago that God made throughout his Old Testament and even as recently as the beginning pages of the Gospels in the New Testament. All we view this as the birth of Christ is the fulfillment of God's promise that actually started long ago in the book of Genesis and is spoken of all throughout God's Word and even into the beginning pages of the very New Testament. Over the next few weeks, we're just going to talk about two couples and their babies. Zechariah, Elizabeth, and their baby John. Mary, Joseph, and their son, Jesus. And how these were two, are two, they are the two most important people in my book that have ever lived and walked on this planet. One paved the way for the other. And so John the Baptist, who made a way as a forerunner of the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we see when we talk about the phrase, grace in motion. You see, when God speaks, we are to listen. When, when God moves, we are to believe. And when God calls, we are to follow. When God speaks, are you ready to listen? When God moves, are you ready to believe? When God calls, are you ready to To follow. Because when we follow, we unleash God's amazing grace in and through our lives. I want you to experience that. I want you to experience the amazing grace of God unleashed now, unleashed, turned loose in and through your life. It doesn't just touch and change you, it touches and changes everyone around you and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about you know <laughs> becoming some turnoff or some some something that puts people away i'm talking about a grace that is so appealing that is so life altering that people see the difference that god makes in you and they truly want a part of it in their life you see long ago god made a promise that he intended to keep. And this is just what he did. God made a promise that he absolutely intended to keep, and that's what he did today. Today, he invites you to be a part of that promise and to believe that you too can do the impossible. You see, today, three things when God speaks. When God speaks, number one, we hear. When God speaks, we hear. So I'm going to ask that question. When God speaks, do you hear? Are you listening? Today, I believe that God speaks primarily in one of five ways. He speaks, number one, through his word, number two, through prayer, number three, through the church, number four, through godly counsel, and five, Finally, through our circumstances, in order to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. We just like to turn that around. We let our circumstances dictate whether or not things are good, whether or not God is happy, whether or not we are in a good place. Our circumstances dictate that. And if not, if we can't figure it out, we'll go get some advice from friends or family, co-workers, whoever it may be. It doesn't have to be godly. We just want some advice then if that doesn't work or if we need something else, we'll go to church. We might pray about it. And the last thing we do is we read the Bible. And a lot of times it's like this. Uh, God, speak to me. Job, never mind. (laughs) God, speak to me. I want to hear from you. But but when we don't have a regular intake of God's word in our life, we're not going to know what he's saying because we're not going to be able to hear him. Because God speaks today primarily through his word. And so... If you've been with us for a while and and watched some of this, you know that we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount and the life of Jesus. The Gospel of John, this is one of the, the great statements that I believe has ever been written in the history of the world. He said, God loved the world so much that he gave you his one and only son that if you would believe in him, you wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. What makes that even more powerful and his word even more transformative in our life is how he kicked off his his entire gospel. He said, in the beginning was the word And the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and he took up residence dwelling among us and he was full of grace and truth. Jesus, the word of God, the word of God made flesh before us. He came to give us a represent, a visible depiction and display of God. And God came to this earth and gave his life for you and for me so that we would do more than just believe. We would put our faith and trust in him. We would learn how to listen to him, hear what he has to say, so that when he speaks, we're ready to move. In Luke chapter number one, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, this is what we see in the days of King Herod of Judea. I love the Bible. I love how it just begins and tells you exactly the time period that we're dealing with. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah, and his wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. All we're getting is context to the story. Both Were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. How would you like, if you could have a sentence written about you in the Bible, this is it. Man, if I could have a sentence written about me that all the world could read over and over and over again, what a sentence. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well along in years. So this is kind of important to know. Children were according to the Bible and are a heritage, a blessing from the Lord. Psalm 127 says that children are a heritage, a blessing from the Lord. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are children born to a man in his youth. Blessed is the man, it says, whose quiver is full of them, for he will not be ashamed when they contend with his enemies at the city gates. It's a great It's a great picture of the power of legacy, generational blessing. And in the days of this writing, in their culture, children were seen as a as a way to live a legacy. Of righteousness, of of your name continuing. We see some of that today, but the pagan nations around Israel were aborting, sacrificing, and, and abandoning children, not the Israelites. Children were blessings from God and viewed that way. However, if you were unable to have children, you were kind of thought of in the community as though you were under some kind of curse from God. And now here's Zechariah and Elizabeth. All we know is that they had no children because she could not conceive. And, and so they're well, both of them were well along in years. They had already kind of given up, given up the, the, probably the idea that they were going to have children. And so now it says when his, Zechariah's division, was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, kind of like flipping a coin, according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense." Now, there were 24 different divisions of priests and Zechariah's division on this day was chosen to be the division that would offer incense in the sanctuary. It happened twice a day. And so his his group was chosen, and on top of that, he was chosen. This is like once in a lifetime. This is a a once-in-a-lifetime event that has just happened to Zechariah. It was a huge honor to be chosen by God because that's the way they saw this. God chose you to go into the holiest place and offer incense on behalf of the people. And so at the hour of incense, the whole assembly, whether it was in the morning or the afternoon, of the people were praying outside. And while he was inside, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. I mean, talk about an encounter. Talk about a moment. Here's Zechariah. Boom, what a moment. I mean, he gets picked to go in here. He's done this for many years, and he's never been chosen. This, because once it happened once, you didn't get to do it again. And so here he is. This is his moment, his once in a lifetime moment. And on the same day that he's picked for this moment, he walks in there and an angel of the Lord appears to him. What are the odds? Ha! What about, talk about a coincidence. This is no coincidence. This did not happen by chance. This is not just some occurrence that just so happened to take place on the same day. And an angel of the Lord just didn't show up and speak to everybody. But this angel appeared and was standing at the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was overcome with fear. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. <laughs> I mean, at this, I mean, it's an angel, so I'm probably not going to say this. I don't even know if he was thinking this because it's an angel. I mean, this is not some little chubby ceramic being with a little pot belly that sits up on our mantle, a little, nice little figurine. This is an angelic warrior that is standing before you. The reason it startled him was not just that he didn't expect it and he thought to be alone. The, the reason it startled him is because this is a mighty being before him. And so here, Zechariah, I mean, I'm just kind of thinking when I read this, (laughs) great, Lord, you wait till now? You wait till now and go give me a kid now? Really? We've been praying for this for years, maybe for decades. Why does God wait till now to do this? The angel didn't answer those things. He says, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before Jesus, the Messiah. This is a prophetic word that this angel is speaking to this priest. He would, he would have known the significance of this statement. Coming from the end of the book of Malachi, he would have understood this to be a prophetic fulfillment that his son was going to pave the way for the coming Messiah. He, John, will go before him, Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous and to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Now, okay, it's a mouthful. It's a whole lot to take in, but here we are, okay? Let's pretend. We go, this is our job. This is our duty. We do it every day. We show up every day, and on this particular day, your group, your group has been picked to go and perform this duty inside of the temple, And on top of that, you have been chosen to go into the holiest place and offer incense before God. A a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You prepare yourself. He had to be nervous. I mean, he's been preparing for this his whole life. Not going to get to do it again. You better not mess it up. And so he walks in there. By the way, many times if they did mess it up, they, were believed, they believed this, that God would kill them. <laughs> they would tie a rope around their ankles, so if they did, they'd drag them out. But anyway, that's a whole other story. That's kind of funny if you think about it. But nevertheless, so you go in. You're doing your thing there at the altar, and all of a sudden, you look, and there's an angel standing there, a mighty angelic warrior. And after he tells you it's going to be okay, nothing bad's going to happen. Because at that point, I'm thinking I did something wrong and I'm dead. <laughs> he said, "No, you good." He said, "Your prayer has been answered, been heard. You and your wife are going to have a son, and you're going to name him John." And then he begins to quote for you from the prophet Malachi about what the, could the this person would do. Coming in the power and spirit of Elijah and would prepare the way for the Messiah to enter the world. By the way, this is not just anybody telling you this. This is an angel of the Lord, okay? So this is the question that Zechariah comes back with. How can I know this for sure? (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm about to say, are you freaking kidding me? I mean, are are you kidding? This is what you say? How can I know this for sure? Really? There's an angel standing there speaking to you that God has heard and is fulfilling prophecy before you. How can I know this? For, an, for I am an old man, and my wife is, is, is. By the way, this is a great way to say this. Okay. By the way, if there's a dude watching, a fellow watching this, don't ever say an old man and an old lady. Shame on you. Okay. But I love, I love the way he sees this. I'm an old man, and my wife, well, bless her, she's well along in years. <laughs> I don't know. Some things I just kind of pick up when I read it. That was just one of the first ones I thought that's pretty funny. But nevertheless. I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years, okay? I just, you know, I I just, maybe this doesn't speak to you the way it does to me, but I think how deep is the hurt? How deep is the wound? How, How hopeless could you be that when God sent his messenger to speak, you don't even hear what he had to say? See, when God speaks, we hear, or we don't. How can I know this for sure? It gets better. The angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel, who stands, (laughs) Mufasa moment, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, Mm. listen, you will become silent and be unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. So because you didn't believe God's going to close your mouth for the next nine months. Your wife will be happy, but I don't know about the rest of everybody else. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he had stayed so long in the sanctuary. They about ready to jerk on that rope, make sure he's at, He's still kicking. When he did not come out, he could not speak to them. Then they, or when he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. Why? Because he probably walked out like this. And then he was like, You You know, you got big wings, sword. I don't know what it is, but you know, baby, all kinds of things. I can't talk. He kept making signs to them and remained speechless. When God speaks, we hear, but you and I can never assume that trials and difficulties only come our way because of disobedience. A lot of times that's what we think. Trials, tribulations, difficulties, hurt, and pain only come our way because of disobedience. That's not the case. Zechariah and Elizabeth were not disobedient. They were righteous in God's eyes. They were were godly people, but here they are. They're hopeless. They're struggling. But you know what? Grace always opens doors. And when God speaks, we hear. When God speaks, we trust. See, these are things that you can either do or not do. But this is the plea. When God speaks, you hear. When God speaks, you trust. And so this is what we see. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she kept herself in, conclu- in seclusion for five months. She said this, she said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace from among the people. You, I mean, whether he believed God or not, we don't know, but they come back, they, 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 have a, they conceive and now she's pregnant. I mean, imagine Zechariah at this point. He's like, okay, I'm believing, I'm believing. But here's Elizabeth. Look at her. She doesn't respond with skepticism, she responds with praise. God has done this for me, God has looked with favor, God has taken away my disgrace. And so when God speaks, we hear. When God speaks, we trust. Because God often brings or allows difficulty in our life. Why? For his glory and for our sanctification. A lot of times we're going through difficult things. We're going through things we didn't expect to see coming. Why? So that will God get the glory through it? And how will we become closer to him? Will we let God work in us? Will we let God move in our life? Will we respond to the working of God, even if it's hard? even if it's difficult, even if it's painful, even if we don't understand everything, will we trust God enough to hear what he says and respond to what he wants to do? Because when God calls, we hear. When God calls, when God speaks, we trust. And when God speaks, we respond. We respond. Move on a little bit further in the chapter. Now we're nine months ahead. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Exactly what the angels promised would happen. Then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. This is a great time, a celebration in the entire area. And when they had come to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. You know why? Because Zechariah couldn't say nothing. (laughs) He can't talk. Everybody's real happy right now too, by the way. But his mother, Elizabeth, responded and said, No, his name will be John. And so, so they're like, wait a second, no, because in their day it was customary that you named the boy the son after the father or some other man in their family line. And so they were going to name him Zechariah. Zechariah couldn't speak. They thought, man, this would, be, this would be honoring to him. And she said, no, we're going to name him John. And they said to her, but none of your other relatives have that name. So they motioned to his father to find out what... What he wanted him to be called it's so powerful. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, His name is John. And they were all amazed. Now, here's the powerful part. Remember, when God speaks, we hear, we trust, we respond. Maybe Elizabeth got this faster than Zechariah, but Zechariah, bless his heart, he a little slow to get here he responded the way the Lord told him to respond. God had closed his mouth. God had shut the door to the instrument that would give him praise. Until Zechariah responds with what God told him to do. Immediately. Wow. His mouth was opened and his tongue set free. Wow. And he began to speak praising God. Mm. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. I called this message Grace Opens doors. This was a powerful moment because not just for Zechariah, not just for Elizabeth, but for everyone there. I, I can't imagine this moment that was something that I don't know that any of them would ever forget. This would be something that would, be, would have been communicated throughout the entire area. The powerful, powerful hand of God. Then Zechariah writes a song and begins to sing. Maybe he's been thinking about this for his nine months of silence. And he begins to sing a song. The song gives us four pictures of what the coming of Jesus would really mean. Number one, he came to open prison doors. He came to open prison doors. It's just a powerful picture. It's a powerful picture of what he came to do. A powerful story of what what Zechariah experienced and what Jesus came to do and how he would change the world. It says, then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. Jesus came to open prison doors. He came to defeat our enemies. He came to cancel our debt. He came to bring us a brand new life. Don't m- and, 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 and transform what God is, has in, is doing in our life. Powerful stories of what Jesus has come to do. Today, Today, don't minimize what God can do through those who are faithful to Him. Today, what must happen before you are willing to believe and become what God wants you to be? See, when, when God speaks, we hear. When God speaks... We trust. When God speaks, we respond. And when we respond, he opens doors. When you and I respond in faith to grace, God opens prison doors in your life. Look, I don't know what's got you held captive today, but everybody's held captive by something. (laughs) I don't know what it is for you. I I, I can tell you many things that I let hold me back in my life. But I'll promise you this, when I hear, when I truly listen to what God says and hear it, when I trust it and when I respond in faith every time, God unlocks doors, God breaks bars, God sets me free to go live the way he wants me to live. Today, let God do that for you. Let God open doors that changes your life and those around you. Would you pray with me today? Father God, thank you for each person that would spend some time listening, watching, hopefully applying what you would have them to hear and see today. Thank you for the stories of people like Zechariah, Elizabeth, John the Baptist, Mary, Joseph, and the Lord Jesus. God, we give you praise for your power and your working in and through our lives. We thank you for your word, the word that came to live in flesh and show us exactly who you are, the word that came to die on a cross so that we could know you personally, the word that came and rose again so that we could be more than victorious because you love us. Pour it out in abundance on each person's life. God, speak. Let them hear. Let them trust and respond to your speaking and working in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas to you. Have a great day.